0: All right, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts 21, verse 37. Acts 21, verse 37. Acts 21, verse 37. A couple quick announcements. Um, If you were not able to get um, a communion cup, uh, we will pass them out right at the beginning of Lord's Supper for anybody that was not able to pick one up. Also, um beginning next Sunday, uh, we're we're actually going to add something back to our service that we haven't had in in a while and uh we're going to start taking up the offering during service. Um that'll begin next Sunday instead of putting it in the basket back there. So I just want to let y'all be aware of that. Uh so next Sunday we will bring that back into the service to pass the plate, okay? All right, Acts 21, verse 37. If you're there, say word. word. Wow. That sounded great. Go ahead and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Acts 21, verse 37. And we're going to read through to tw- chapter 22, verse 21, but we're going to go through verse 29. So let's go ahead and begin in verse 37. Paul, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he, the tribune said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the four thousand men of the assassins out in the, into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people, And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, According to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness from them. I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. Pray that you would open up the truth to it, to our eyes, open up our hearts to where we can. See your grace, see your promises, help us to understand what it is that we need to know this morning. We ask this in your son's precious name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. For those of you that are new to our church this morning, we have been going through the book of Acts since January of 2020. And we are now into chapter 22. And we see now that that Paul has made his way to Jerusalem. And the rest of the book of Acts is basically Paul being imprisoned. And here, this is where we see it beginning to happen. When we last left Paul two weeks ago, he was being attacked by Jews in the city of Jerusalem because they were accusing him of teaching against the law. Well, the Roman Tribune came up and their responsibility is to keep peace within this area. And they came up and broke up the fight and they were taking Paul away. And here, Paul... Ask the tribune, can I speak to the people? Now, the people that he's speaking to are his people. They are Hebrews. They are Jews. They are people who are of the Jewish faith. They've just been told that Paul is speaking against the law when really Paul's not speaking against the law. He's speaking about the one who has fulfilled the law. And these Jews are upset and they're wanting him dead. They're, they're screaming insults at him, away with him, kill him, basically the same way that they treated Jesus. And here Paul is making a stand before the people, giving a defense. He's sharing his story of God's work in his life. That's what he's doing. He's sharing his story. Now, we all have a story to share, do we not? We are all at some point in a story, in our testimony, whether it's that you are doing great and trusting in God's grace, leaning on him, or whether it's you're feeling quite cruddy and and you you can't focus on God, you can't feel his grace, and maybe you're in the lowest of lows. Wherever you are in your story this morning, You have a testimony. You have a story to share. The title of my sermon this morning is our story of God's transforming grace. This is what Paul is doing. He is sharing his story of God's transforming grace in his life as a defense of what he's doing He's using, and this is why Paul is in Jerusalem. This is even why, even though the spirit, as we saw in Acts, I believe it was chapter 20, the spirit and and all these people were warning him that when you go to Jerusalem, you'll be persecuted. You're going to be tortured. You're going to be imprisoned. And this is why Paul was even willing to go to Jerusalem and endure that, because Paul is willing to take every opportunity he can to share the gospel. And these are people who, who do not follow Christ. These people that are trying to have him killed, they don't believe in Jesus. They are still Jews. They, they, they are following the law. They are trusting in the law for their salvation. And Paul sees this as an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Paul even shares in Romans 9 where he wishes himself to be accursed. So that his brothers, his Jewish brothers would be saved. He's even willing to, to trade his own salvation if it were possible for his Jewish brothers to be saved that way. So Paul here is making a stand before the people willing to share his story. So my main idea for you this morning is this. People can see the work of the gospel when they hear our story of God's grace. People can see the work of the gospel when they hear our story of God's grace. Y'all know, uh, I've I've shared this quite a few times. I like to do my work out in public. I don't like to be shut up in my office. Um, I just, I like to be out around people. I like to be at the coffee shop or at the park or at a restaurant. And the reason why is, is it gives me ample opportunity to, to have conversations with people. I'm very introverted though. Like I like to be by myself, but when it comes to working and when it comes to studying, I, for some reason, I like to be out there in public because when people see my Bible open, when people see me, uh, 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 having conversations with other people, it opens up the doors to have other conversations with people, especially at the coffee shop that I go and sit at often. Uh, and so there I'm I, I'm able to share my story. I had to take a class at the seminary that I am attending. I go to Southern Seminary up in Kentucky and, and and I had to take a class called personal evangelism where I had to have eight encounters within eight weeks of sharing the gospel with people. And I had to have a record of these encounters where I had to intentionally Find opportunities with people to share the gospel with them. And what I found was the easiest way for me to share the gospel was to share my story of God's grace in my own life. To share my story. Now, Paul, in providing his defense to the people of Jerusalem, is sharing his story of God's transforming grace. So I got four things for you this morning as we are sharing our story of God's grace, of how we see Paul sharing his story. What are some things that we see first within the story of God's grace? We see our need for the gospel. Number one, we see our need for the gospel. Look at verses three through five of of chapter 22. Paul says this. He says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city. He's he. I, I've, I was brought up in Jerusalem. He says, I was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way. The word way, meaning I persecuted the Christian faith, the people who followed the way, because Jesus claimed I am the way, the truth and the life. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison, both men and women. And he says in verse five, as a high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness for them, from them, I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to date, to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. He's basically giving a record of what he's done. And what he's doing here is, is, is he's trying to show them Look, I was on your side with this. I was one of you. He is, he is using this as, as, as an opportunity to show them that he was zealous for God and for the law. That he was zealous to follow the priest. He was even educated under one of the most well-known priests of, of that area. But yet, what he's showing us is, is that even those things that he did... And those things that he was faithful to was not good enough. Even though he thought he was doing the right thing. Even though he thought he was doing God's work. Even though he thought he was being faithful. It wasn't good, e- good enough. Galatians 1.14, Paul says, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. He tells us again in, Ver- in Philippians 3, 4 through 7, Paul says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in, in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of, of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal of persecutor of the church, As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. But he says in verse 7, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul, in sharing his story here, is trying to show the people that he was like them. Zealous for God, the law in Judaism. But it wasn't enough. Church, in, in our stories of God's grace... We were once like the people of this world. We were once in one way thinking that we were good enough. What we were doing was good enough. We were once lovers of self and sin, seeking our own desires. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. This is us. This is all of us. You, you are either, you are either a child of God or a child of wrath. We're not all children of God on this, on this world. We're all created by God. We're all creatures of God, but we're not all children of God. The only way that we find adoption into God's family is by trusting in the one who died for us and purchased us by his own blood. Church, one of the most common responses when someone is asked, how do they know that they will go to heaven? Is that they think that they are a good person. They think that because they haven't killed anybody. Or they think that because they haven't done anything as wrong as this other person. Or because they think that there are other people out there worse than they are. That they're good enough. Or... Or they may just think that God is this all-loving and all-forgiving God in which when I stand before Him, He's going to have to let me in anyway. That's not how it works. Your sin has separated you from a holy and good God. Your sin has separated you. There is no amount of work that you can do to be saved from God's wrath. There isn't. No amount of work. There's no amount of church attendance. There's no amount of money that you can give. There's no amount of Bible reading or even scripture memorization. You can memorize this whole book and still not be saved. There's no amount of work that you can do to be saved from God's wrath. But check out Ephesians 2. After Paul gives all that and talking about You were all sinful. Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Church, we have a need for the gospel. Paul is talking about in the first part of his story, talking about the person he once was. And when we, in our stories, when we talk about the person we once was, we're showing people our need for the gospel. The person I once was is dead and buried. And I pray to God that person never gets resurrected. We have a need for the gospel. We have a need for the gospel. Paul recognized it. I did all these things. I was faithful. I was zealous. I was, I was Jews. This is, this is who I was. And it wasn't enough. So he continues. He continues. Look at verse six. After he tells him that he's on his way to to Damascus as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. Number two, not only do our stories point to our need of the gospel, it points to Christ's power of grace. Our stories point to Christ's power of grace. This Damascus Road experience that Paul had. Do you you see what Paul is saying in verse six? As I was on my way, on his way to go do what? Back in verse five to journey toward Damascus and to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way to go and persecute the church, as I was on my way to go and drag Christians out of their homes, separate them from their families, bring them to prison, have them tortured and beaten, possibly even killed, as I was on my way what happens? Christ appears. He wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't searching for a way out. He was on his way to go and persecute the church and Jesus shows up. Church, let me tell you, this morning you are not saved because you found Christ. You are saved because Christ found you. The song Amazing Grace by John Newton. I once was lost, but now I'm found. We're not talking about I once was lost, but now I found Jesus. I once was lost, but now I'm found by Jesus. He found us. Even while we were still sinners, while we were on our way, as we're living this hell bound race. Jesus confronts us. Jesus appears to us. Jesus opens up our eyes to the gospel of grace. That's how we're saved. That's how we're saved. Our stories point to Christ's power of grace. Our stories point to Christ working within our lives. And 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 all of this that Paul went through, all that he was, him being raised in Jerusalem, him being a Roman citizen as we're going to see here later, as him being a Jew, as him being a Pharisee, as him being a persecutor of the church, Christ used for his means and his purpose. So that right here at this moment on a dirt road headed to Damascus, he appears to Paul and radically transforms his life. Church, when I was saved, I wasn't looking for Jesus. He found me, just like he found you. Christ's power of grace in which he appears to us that's grace. That's unmerited favor. You did not deserve that. You did not deserve for Christ to appear to you. You did not deserve for Christ to grab your heart and start changing your desires and your mind and your focus. You did not deserve Christ's redeeming power in your life and you still don't to this day. But our story is an example of his power of grace. Second Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Grace is where as we are in our hellbound race, as we are headed in our direction, Christ takes our sin, our shame, Our penalty. And he takes it on the cross on our behalf. That's grace. Innocent, spotless. He becomes sin. He becomes the curse. So that we may be redeemed. You didn't deserve that. You did not deserve that. I didn't deserve that. But yet, why is it that we become so complacent? In our daily walk with grace, we become so complacent in this idea of, yeah, Christ has saved me. No, the fact that Christ has saved us should bring us to our knees every single day. Bring us to our knees in gratitude. Bring us to our knees in humility. Bring us to our knees in repentance. Now, why would a holy God like that save someone like me? Why would a holy God like that save someone like Paul? Paul, who even claims to be the worst of sinners. It's because of Christ's power of grace. And as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the cross, I looked upon, forgot the rest of the lyrics. But We were all running that hellbound race. And we see the cross of Christ as it appears to us. And he transforms us. So secondly, within our story, we see Christ's power of grace. Thirdly, look at verse 12. Paul's not done yet. He's blind. Verse 12, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Thirdly, thirdly, we see in our stories God's commission to share. We, we see our need for grace, our need for the gospel. In Christ's transforming power within our lives, we see his power of grace. And because we've been transformed, because we've been changed, because we've been saved... God now has a commission for us to share. To share what? That story. I love how Wesley picked out for this Sunday. I don't know, it's it, it's God's sovereignty, but I love to tell the story. To tell the story of Christ redeeming grace for us, we are all commissioned to share it. We're not all commissioned to be pastors. We're not all commissioned to be missionaries, but we are called commit, we are all commissioned to share the gospel. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. It's an imperative. That means what? Go. Do it. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Paul is telling the people here in, my, in his defense, God has commissioned him. The God of the Bible has commissioned him. The God of, 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 of Judaism has commissioned him. And he says in verse 17, not only was he commissioned through Ananias, but in verse 17, when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. Now this is the first, this is the first testimony of this incident. It says in verse 18, and I saw him saying to me, he saw Jesus saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in, in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who, who killed him. And Jesus said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Jesus says, you need to leave Jerusalem now. This is, this is after he has returned to Jerusalem, after he's been healed by Ananias. Jesus says, you need to leave. And Paul says, but wait, they know the man I once was. They know that I hunted down Christians. They know that that I was even holding the coats as a stone Stephen. They know the man I once was. Let me let me show them who I am now. And Jesus says, they're not going to listen to you. He says, go for I will send you far away. Where to the Gentiles. Now, this testimony was going good. It was going good until verse 21. Everything was good, but then verse 21, Paul says, Jesus sent me to the Gentiles. He commissioned me to share the gospel to the nations. Church, we're commissioned to share. We're commissioned to share our story. We're commissioned to share the gospel. We're commissioned to share what God's done in our lives. You woke up this morning, right? God has already done better for you today than you deserve. Because you're awake. Because of our sin, he should have killed us in our sleep. Because of our sin, we should already be dead. But yet you're awake and you're here. God has already been gracious to you. What a testimony that is. We are commissioned to share the testimony that God has given us. Of the work he's done in our lives. Of how he's blessed us. Of the grace that he's shown us. And that's what Paul's telling the Jews here. God's commissioned me to share this message. But, in verse 21... Paul says, Jesus sent me to the Gentiles. So let's look and see what happens in verse 22. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, they're going crazy here. Like, I remember back in high school when you started seeing fights break out and somebody's taking their jacket off, you know something's about to get real. These guys are throwing their cloaks off, they're flinging dust in the air, they are, they're going crazy. I told you about the time when I was being bullied my freshman year and my dad told me, You know how to handle a bully, right? I'm like, how? He said, you just need, the next time he starts messing with you, start beating your chest, start screaming, start beating your head, just act crazy. And my mom pulled me inside after that conversation. My mom was like, don't do that. Don't do that. These guys are going crazy. Verse 24, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. Church, the Jews are not happy because they believe that God is only for Jews and not for Gentiles, that salvation is only for Jews and not for Gentiles. Yet Paul is saying, Jesus sent me to the Gentiles. He sent me to share the gospel. So they bring him in and they're going to flog him. They're going to torture him. This is bloody. This is painful what's going to happen. Verse 25. But when they had stretched him out for the whips. Now these, these whips, these are long strands of leather. And they have shards of like metal or pottery at the end. Very sharp. And what it does is is when it hits the skin, it grabs on and it rips off flesh. It's a painful, painful thing. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, verse 25, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who was a Roman citizen and uncondemned? Paul knows the law. He knows. <laughs> the centurion heard this. He went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came to him and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Paul says, Yes. The tribune answered, Well, I bought this citizenship, my Roman citizenship. I bought it for a large sum. Paul says, Well, I'm a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. It's not good. It is unlawful to torture a Roman citizen like that. They have a right to a to a fair trial before punishment. This is not Paul being cowardly and just trying to get out. And this is, and Paul's not wrong in doing this because some people would say, well, shouldn't a Christian be ready to suffer? Paul is ready and willing to suffer. But God does give us ways and and does bless us and give us grace in which there are ways in which we can get out of suffering. It's foolish for us to go into suffering for suffering's sake. It's foolish for us to do that. Paul's not wrong in what he did. But here's what I want to say with, with, with number four, with this section. Our story isn't over. And neither is Paul's. Paul's story continues. His story continues as he's going to be brought before the council. Check out what's going to happen as we look into the next little bit. Paul gets to be brought before the Jewish leaders. What's he going to do before the Jewish leaders? Paul's going to share the gospel with them. He's going to tell them about Jesus. Paul's going to be in prison and shackled. What's he going to do? He's going to share the gospel. His story is not over yet. In church, your story is not over yet either. You have another day in which you have been blessed by God's grace to live and to glorify him. So what are we called to do with this day? We are called to keep going and to keep sharing and to glorify him in all that we do. We are called to share the gospel with everybody we come in contact with. We are called to let people know who Jesus is. We are called to make much of him daily, not just on Sunday mornings. You are called to make much of him at your job. You are called to make much of him in your home and with your family, with your kids. You were called to make much of Him at the grocery store. How you live your life is, is an example of the story that you are sharing to the world of God's transforming grace. And right now, your story's not over yet. You have another day to live and glorify Him. Our story is not over until we die and are standing before our Savior to live for all eternity with Him. That's when our story is over. But our story right now is still continuing. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to make much of him like Paul is? Even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of imprisonment, in the midst of trials, in the midst of all that he's going through, he's seeking to make much of Jesus. Yet a lot of times we make much of our circumstances. We make much of our trials. We make much of our good, of our good things, of our blessings, of our material possessions. And yet we forget to make much of Christ. Church, our story is to share the good news of God's transforming grace. People can see the work of the gospel when they hear our story of God's grace. So are you willing to share that story? Are you willing to share the story of Christ redeeming grace in your life? Of where Christ has stepped in and completely transformed it. Where you don't even deserve it. People need to hear that story. And I hope you're willing to tell it. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good and gracious and merciful. God, we are thankful for your grace. The grace that has given us a story that you have redeemed us and saved us. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here who has not recognized Christ as Lord, who has not seen the truth of the gospel, I pray that you would grab their hearts, convict them of their sin, turn them to you this morning as they recognize their need for the gospel. God, I pray that for those of us in here who just need to be reminded of the goodness and grace in the gospel that you've given us, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged to share the story, our story, your story. As we are at our jobs, as we are in public, around people, with our kids, with our families, at the grocery store, at the post office, wherever we may be, God. Give us that desire, that insatiable desire to share our story with the world so that we may be like Paul, commissioned to reach the lost, commissioned to reach the nations. Help us, Lord, to let people know of the wonders of your grace, of your son. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.